The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Day today we're continuing in the series we started a few weeks back, and that series is titled Born Identity, which really is a born-again identity. So a few weeks back, we started a journey to really discover who we truly are in Christ, you know, what our ID, what our identity is in Jesus Christ, amen? And one thing we learned is in order for us to be established in our identity, one of the things that we so need to be firmly established in is knowing who our God is. Is knowing who Jesus is and knowing Jesus' complete work, redemptive work, and his, his complete work really on the cross. Amen. And so we also learned, you know, that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, he revealed himself to us in various ways. In fact, in the book of John, you know, he reveals seven redemptive names. We call them seven I am statements that really we just need to be firmly established in, in our understanding as well as our conviction. And so as a recap, some of the names, the seven, well, some of the I am um, statements that we've looked at is we've looked at I am the light of the world. We also looked at I am the door. I am the good sheep, good shepherd. Sorry, we are sheep. (laughs) And then last week we looked at I am the true vine. And so if you haven't had a chance to um, listen to any one of these teachings, I highly, highly, highly recommend you do. Um, If you're watching online, these teachings are available really on all of our social media platforms, on on podcasts or SoundCloud, but make sure you listen to them and make sure you you, you catch up, okay, because we covered a lot of ground. We're also going to be looking at I am the resurrection and the life, and then we're going to be looking at I am the way, the truth and the life. And today, this morning, we're looking at what actually was Jesus' first I am statement, and that is I am the bread of life. Amen. And that's found in, in chapter John chapter 6. But before we, before we start reading the scriptures, because as usual, we're going to do a bit of a Bible study. So if you're watching again online, grab your Bibles, grab your notepad. We, we're really going to be looking at each of these um, verses uh, line upon line. Amen. But before we begin, I just want to set a little bit of background as to what was happening um, specifically around the passages of scripture that we're about to read. So John chapter 6 begins with, you know, Jesus performing, man, a mighty miracle. He performs the miraculous uh, multiplication of five loaves of bread and, and two fish, okay? Um, and, and, the, and the scriptures um, say it's, you know, was, he did this for 5,000 people, but it's actually 5,000 men. Um, if you include women and children, it's about 15,000 people, you know, that Jesus was then able to feed just by multiplying the few loaves of bread and the fish. And then he had even plenty left over. He had like 12 baskets full of, of bread left over, okay? And so what was happening is the crowd got really excited. Man, they were like, wow. You know, they got so excited that they wanted to make Jesus their king. You know, they wanted to make Jesus the king, really, of the, of the Jewish empire, you know, that they, they, were, they were determined to set up. So Jesus discerned this. You know, he, he was able to discern this. And Jesus took off into the mountains. And then his disciples, the story says at the beginning of uh, John chapter 6, they got onto their boats and they sailed across the Sea of Galilee and they went over to the other town. Of course, we know in the, on the, in the middle of that journey, they encountered a huge storm. And during the storm, Jesus came walking on this water, you know, towards the boat, right? And when he got into the boat, the storm stopped and supernaturally, they were like transported to the other side, to dry land. And so I was telling the church this morning that Star Trek and Star Wars got nothing on the Bible, man. Jesus was the originator of beam me up, Scotty. Transport me there. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. And so the crowds, they wake up and they're wondering, where's Jesus? Okay. We saw Jesus go on the mountain. They saw the disciples' boats gone. So they had a brilliant idea. They were thinking, okay, fine. These guys have probably gone to the next town, right? Jesus has gone through the mountains, so it's probably going to take him two days to get there. Hmm, we can get there before him. If we go by ship, we're going to get there before him, and we're going to still be able to force him to be king, okay? And so it's with that context in mind that we come to John chapter 6, verse 25. And I'm going to read it um, in the original King James Version, please. So that's John chapter 6, verse 25. 
And so this is the crowd. It says, and when they, in other words, the crowd, found him, found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? You know, the New Living Translation says, they said this, they said, Rabbi, how did you get here? (laughs) Of course, Jesus, you know, he answers the question, but he doesn't answer that specific question. Side note, we all know how Jesus got there, right? He was transported there, right? But I think to their mind, that was like, wow, you know, we didn't expect you to be there, right? So Jesus answers the question, but he doesn't answer this specific question. What he decides to do is he decides to use bread, right? He decides to use that bread, that same bread, um, you know, that he performed that a miraculous uh, miracle of provision to, as an object lesson, right? Really as an object lesson to explain or to begin to explain a spiritual truth or kingdom reality, And so my disclaimer to you all there is if you haven't had breakfast, I'm going to be talking a lot about bread, okay? (laughs) So I'm really sorry. I'm going to go as fast as I can so you can go and have breakfast, okay? Um, Yeah, and and lunch will be served real soon, okay? So we're going to be talking a lot about bread because really this is what Jesus was aiming to do. He was using bread as an object lesson, okay, to really begin to explain some truths that um, this crowd really needed to understand, amen? So verse 26, Jesus answers them. And he says to them, verily, verily. Now we see that statement a lot, particularly in the Gospels. And what what that statement simply means is, you know, Jesus is simply saying, listen to me. You know, what I'm about to say is very important. So he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and filled and were filled. So Jesus is saying, you're not seeking me because of the miracles that I've performed. You're looking for me because you got free food and because you want more free food, okay? Uh, I'm kind of clever, you know? And so in verse 27, uh, Jesus begins to say something that's truly profound to this crowd. And he begins to say, labor not for the meat. In other words, food, okay? So meat, yeah, it means, just means food, okay? So he's saying, labor not for food which perishes, but for meat or food which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. So Jesus says, labor not for food which perishes. So what really what Jesus is saying to this crowd is he's saying, stop focusing on, you know, stop being so consumed, stop being so dependent on natural food. You know, on food that, you know, that um, only sustain you or is only able to sustain you in the natural. You know, food that at the end of the day is going to perish. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to go stale. But at the end of the day, is actually temporary. And he says, instead, he says, labor for food which endures unto eternal life. It's everlasting life or eternal life. So he's saying, what rather you should be focusing on, what you should rather be dependent on, is, is food which doesn't perish. You know, it's food which doesn't just sustain us temporarily. Uh, Food, he says, which only the Son of Man can give. And I want you to pay attention to the Son of Man. You can see the the letter S on Son of Man is capital S, right? So, So he's referring to himself. You know, so really in essence what he's saying is that I'm the one, you know, who can give you this food. And why you should be dependent and actually, you know, consumed to get this food is because this food gives you everlasting life. Now, now that everlasting life, churches, is not speaking about heaven. It's also not speaking about living forever. Because guess what? We're all going to live forever. You know, it just depends. Some of us will be living in heaven. Some of us will not be in heaven, right? But everyone's going to live forever. Of course, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be in heaven, okay? So no need to be fearful about that. So everlasting life is not talking about heaven. It's not, it's not talking about living forever. You know, what it's speaking about is it's speaking about something that we can possess right now in the here and now. You know, everlasting life or eternal life is a life of intimacy. It's a life of relationship with Jesus and God. Man, our awesome heavenly Father. Amen. And this life, this life is something that only Jesus Only Jesus can give each and every single one of us. Amen. And so the point that Jesus is trying to make in verse 27, you know, is simply this. He's saying we shouldn't be dependent, you know, on natural things for our sustenance. We really shouldn't. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't have natural things. It doesn't mean that we can't have food. I mean, we need food. 
Doesn't mean that we can't have things like hobbies. Doesn't mean that we can't have things, things like things, you know, because we know the Bible says God gives us richly all things to enjoy. God doesn't mind you having things, but what he minds is you depending on things for your provision, right? So he says, don't depend on these natural things, you know, for your source of sustenance, for your provision. The only person you should be depending upon for life, for provision, for everything that you need is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so, yeah, he's trying to, you know, focus them away from these natural things um, to focus on him. But boy, man, the crowd completely miss it. You know, they're so consumed with their natural realities. They're consumed with their hunger. They just want more bread. Come on, Jesus, we want bread. And so in verse 28, they continue speaking. And I mean, they say this. It says in verse 28, then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And they're saying, what must we do? You know, what must we do to also do these works, Jesus? You know, what must we do to also do these miracles, these mighty miracles that you've been performing? And I love how Jesus responds in verse 29. It says, Jesus answers, and he simply says this. He says, this is the work of God. Singular. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he had sent. So he's saying, you want to do the works that I'm doing? You want to do the miracles that I'm doing? Well, there's really only one work that God wants from you. And this work is to believe. Is to believe in what? To believe on Jesus and his work, not ours. To believe on Jesus not his, and his works, not yours. Amen? This goes way over the crowd's head. Because in verse 30, they begin to say this. They said, therefore unto him, what signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? And the NLT puts it this way. It says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? <laughs> you know, Andrew Womack says this. He says, how dumb can you be and still breathe? <laughs> I didn't say it. Andrew. Okay. This crowd is asking for a sign. Okay, they're saying, show us a sign so that we can see with our physical eyes and believe. I mean, this was an expression of their unbelief. Unbelief says, you know, I want to see, you know, before I can believe. Faith, on the other hand, is screaming, I believe before I can see. Man, unbelief will have you blinded to the very miracles, the very daily miracles that Jesus is performing in your life. And this was the crowd. They said, show us, show us a sign. It was completely unbelievable, church. Because before Jesus had multiplied the five loaves and the two fish, what had actually happened is this crowd had been following him around all the time. And they'd seen Jesus perform mighty, mighty, mighty healing miracles. They'd seen Jesus open the ears of the deaf. They'd seen Jesus open the eyes of the blind. They'd seen the lame walk. They'd seen limbs supernaturally grow. I mean, they'd seen some mighty, mighty, mighty miracles all day long. And then to top it all off, at the end of the day, Jesus had supernaturally, miraculously multiplied a little boy's small meal of five loaves and two fish. And yet they're saying, show us a sign. Show us a miraculous sign. What can you do? <laughs> and the crowd carry on in verse 31. They say, our father did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, then Jesus says unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses, he gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So the crowds, they start bringing up another miraculous, another amazing miraculous provision, and that's the provision of manna. And so when God had led the children of Israel out of Egypt, what had happened is, um, you know, on, as they made their way to the promised land, they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And so God had supernaturally made it rain food from heaven. And that food was called manna. So every morning when the children of Israel would wake up, they'd get out of their tents and they'd find this bread-like substance on the floor, on the ground, you know, that had fallen with the dew. 
and they'd gather the substance. I mean, this, 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 uh, this food was so tasty and so filling um, uh, naturally. They'd gather up the food, and God instructed them, you know, take enough, that, enough for that day, okay? And if they were tempted to hoard, if they were tempted to not listen, guess what? They'd wake up the next day, and what they'd hoarded, you know, would be stinking, it would be smelling, and it would have worms in it. So they couldn't even use it anyway, right? The only exception that God made in his instructions around manna was the sixth day, really, where they were allowed to actually collect a double portion because they were allowed to collect for that day and for the next day, which was to be the Sabbath, which was really their day of rest. So on that day alone, they could really go big and really collect double. Now, I believe the reason why... God was um, uh, uh, supplying for them their daily provision in this way was really what God was trying to teach them is he was trying to teach them to be dependent on him and him alone to supply their everyday needs. Okay. And so manna, let's go back to manna. Manna was also called the bread from heaven. Manna was also called angel's food. It was called the bread of the mighty. But really all manna was, it was a natural bread that was only able to sustain the natural body and give physical nourishment, strength, and, and fuel you know, for the human body you know, to be able to do, go about and do its, uh, its daily work. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, you know, what we need to understand is really this, is that manna was a type and a shadow of a much greater reality. Manna was a much greater, was a type and a shadow that was pointing to the coming Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the true bread from heaven who not only came to, to sustain or to nourish us physically, but also who came to sustain and nourish us. And this is very important spiritually. Okay, so that manna, that natural bread from heaven, it was pointing to the true bread from heaven. You know, who was going to come and who was literally going to be all that they would need to survive, but more than just to survive, but also to thrive. And I mean, I know I'm belaboring this point, but it's such an important point that we need to get manna. Manna was a gift from God that came down from heaven. Manna was pointing to the true gift from God who also came down from heaven. The true gift, the true bread of heaven, who was going to be everything that the children of Israel would need then, but who is everything that we need right now. Amen. Why? Because Jesus is enough. In fact, Jesus, Jesus is more than enough. You know, one thing that I know, that I know, that I know, is that if you have Jesus, you have everything. Because Jesus is the answer to everything. Jesus is your answer to everything. If you need healing, Jesus is your answer. If you need a breakthrough in your business, Jesus is the answer. If you need peace, if you need joy, if you need wholeness, if you need deliverance, Jesus is the answer. Because Jesus, man, he's enough. Amen. And so this conversation continues. Jesus continues, and now he's actually starting to get really specific about this bread from heaven. And in verse 33, he says this. He says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So now Jesus is saying something so profound, and he's really establishing a, a spiritual truth. He says, the true bread of heaven is not an object. He's saying the true bread of heaven is a he. It's a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus, the true bread of heaven, he came down from heaven, it says, to give life to the world. Now, that word life is so powerful. It's the Greek word zoe. And it means so much more than just your ordinary uh, human life. It means so much more than simply breathing. Zoe is a deeper life. You know, Zoe is the highest form of life. Zoe is the God kind of life. Zoe is the same quality of life that God himself possesses when? Right now. And that is the kind of life that the true bread of heaven came down from heaven to give each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. 
In verse 34, Jesus, well, it continues. Nah, the crowd continue, actually. So now it's the crowd that jump in here, right? They say, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They're talking about natural life. Yet Jesus is talking about spiritual life. Jesus discerns their motives. And now he begins to get crystal clear and specific about exactly what he has been talking about all along. Okay, So in verse 35, he says this. It says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. And so Jesus says, he says, come on, don't you get it by now? Don't you understand by now? I am that bread of heaven. I am that bread of heaven that will fully satisfy you with life, that will fully satisfy you with Zoe. And I love those first six, those six words that he uses, I am the bread of life. Because in those six words, Jesus does two things. Number one, Jesus establishes his deity. By saying, I am, Jesus is establishing his oneness with God. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, we learned last week that, that that name, I am, was the exact same name that God used when he first revealed himself to Moses in the book of Exodus. You know, he says, I am. And that phrase, I am, simply means Jehovah. It also means Yahweh. And so in John chapter 6, I believe it's verse 35, he says, I am. What Jesus is trying to tell the crowd, he's trying to tell the crowd, I am Jehovah. He's trying to tell the crowd, I am Yahweh. He's trying to tell the crowd, I am that same great I am. Amen. Amen. And then the second thing that we, what I really want to point you out um, to see in those six words, I am the bread of life, is, you know, Jesus begins to confirm with absolute certainty that he is the bread of life. He's not a bread of life. You know, he's not one of the 33 million breads of life out there. In fact, I heard that the Hebrew, uh, the Hindus have 33 million gods. I don't know if that's true, but you know, they've got 33 million. Well, Jesus is not one of the 33 million breads of life out of there. He is the only bread from heaven that gives the God kind of life. Hallelujah. And he says, if you come to me, you'll never hunger. You know, he says, if you believe in me, you'll never, ever, ever, ever thirst. Amen. And I said this morning, naturally, when we eat, then we're going to get hungry again, right? When we drink something, it's inevitable that at some point in time, we're going to be thirsty again, right? And so what Jesus is, is, is really you know, revealing in this passage of scripture is that what he has to give us is so much greater. You know, it's so much better than the temporary nourishment that any natural bread could ever give us. Amen. See, here's the truth I think we all need to know. Without Jesus, people, people are spiritually hungry. And most people, they don't even know it. And so what they're doing is they're trying to satisfy the spiritual hunger. You know, they're trying to satisfy the spiritual thirst, which has resulted in so many people pursuing things like addictions, you know, pursuing things like excesses, you know, pursuing things like greed, fame at all costs, promiscuity, drugs, because they're trying to fill a hunger. And it is not these things that they're pursuing. They're trying things like occults. Man, they're pursuing sangomas. They're pursuing witch doctors. Man, they're pursuing false spiritual things. And I've never really understood this. I never understood why people get so duped by this strange new age stuff, right? And I always used to wonder, why, does it, why is this stuff so intriguing? I mean, it doesn't even discriminate. People get so caught up in this new age false spiritual stuff, it, 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 it cuts through the very poor to the very rich, you know? And I used to ask myself, why are they getting so drawn into this until I realized that people are hungry for something spiritual, in fact, they're not just hungry, they're starving for spiritual food. And so they're going to try all of these bizarre things. You know, that confuse them, that at the end are going to hurt them, yet are still going to leave them empty. You know, still going to leave them hungry. And are still going to leave them desperate. And 
church, there's only one true bread of life. His name is Jesus. Man, Jesus has come. Jesus came to completely satisfy you so that you will never hunger spiritually again and so that you will never, 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 never spiritually be thirsty again. Jesus is everything that you need in this world, amen? I love Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's look at something different. Let's look at something else. We're going to still be talking about bread. Let's look at something different. Let's look at Psalm 103. It's probably one of my favorite scriptures. So let's go quickly to Psalm 103. And we'll read from verse 1. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he says, All that is within me, bless his holy name. And then in verse 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. You see, the reason why David, you know, is encouraging us to not forget all of his benefits is because, man, life, life gets real. And sometimes there's a tendency for us, for us to forget. But church, we need to be intentional. We truly need to be intentional about reminding ourselves of really the eternal redemption package that Jesus obtained for each and every single one of us on the cross. Amen. And so the psalmist says, forget not all his benefits because they're benefits to receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, there are benefits, you know, that come with our salvation. Amen. And so he begins to list these benefits. The first benefit he lists in in verse 3, he says, who forgives all thine iniquities. That's a benefit of of our salvation is, is the forgiveness of all of our sins. You know, our past sins, the sins we committed in the past, our present sins, and our future sins. Man, that's a benefit of our salvation. And right next to it, the psalmist also adds, who heals all our diseases. Man, I wish I knew this so many years ago, that healing and forgiveness could be in the same verse. Man, until I realized, and thank God I realized it, that it takes the exact same power, church, to forgive us of our sins than it takes to heal our bodies. Amen? So healing and forgiveness belong together, okay? Not only are we forgiven of our sins, but also we're healed of all of our diseases and all of our sicknesses too because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? And so let's look at that word all. Because forever we always thought all meant all. But actually all means nothing left out. So as far as sickness is concerned, there is nothing that was left out of the redemptive work of Christ. Man, there's no headache. There's no, there's no cancer, no kind of cancer. You know, I'm here to tell someone there's no kind of heart trouble. You know, there's no delta variant, lambda, beta, delta, gamma variant that was left out. There is no disease that exists today. There is no disease that is to come that has no name that was left out of what Jesus did and paid for us on the cross. And when the Bible says there was nothing left out, Man, there was absolutely nothing left out. You know, I shared a testimony that, uh, earlier, and I'm going to share it again. Uh, when we had our first child, Manessa, she's now eight, you know, in the second trimester, I started experiencing morning sickness. Man, I was frustrated because I was sick. Couldn't even go to work. Couldn't even be a productive citizen in society. I was sick. And so one day I decided, you know what, I'm going to believe the Bible. And I Turn to this scripture. It said he's healed all my diseases. The word all means nothing left out. And I decided to believe God that no morning sickness was left out of this promise. And the more that I focused on what Jesus had done for me on the cross, the more that I focused really on Jesus. You know, that, that morning sickness, I think it took a week and it was gone for good, good riddance. Thank you, Jesus. And with my second child... You know, I, I didn't have any morning sickness. And so really, I want to encourage someone this morning, someone online. I know there's some of you believing, you know, believing God for, for children. I, I, you know, when the Bible says nothing was left out, it means nothing was left out. Amen. And so we just speak no morning sickness over you. We speak no lethargy over you. We say when you are pregnant, you will not lack energy. We say when you are pregnant, you will be vibrant and healthy. We say when you are pregnant, you will look real good. Amen. No acne in Jesus name. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I'll take it someone. <laughs> The next benefit, it says, who redeems thy life from destruction. You know, the message, the translation says, who saves my life. You know, Jesus saved my life. Jesus saved your life. 
It says, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things. It's talking about prosperity. It says, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm taking that one. I'm claiming that one. I'm taking that one. I'm going to live long and I'm going to live strong. Hallelujah. And you can claim these scriptures too. You don't have to accept sickness, disease, infirmity, weakness in your old age. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can get younger and younger. I'm going to get younger and younger. I'm going to get younger and younger as I age. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So practically, how do we stay reminded of his benefits? Because we're a practical church, right? Practically, how do I not forget his benefits? How do I stay reminded of these benefits so that I can begin to appropriate them in my lives? Or in our lives, at least. (laughs) Well, one of the ways is really taking communion. Through taking communion. Because partaking of the communion wine and the communion bread is a natural act with a spiritual meaning and a spiritual significance aimed at reminding us of what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? And so communion, communion is, is not a ritual. You know, what communion truly is, is it's a reminder of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And once we are reminded of Jesus, you know, once we are reminded of what was accomplished on the cross, then We're reminded of his benefits. Amen. So communion or taking communion is a cure for forgetfulness. And that's why we're instructed to do it as often as possible. Amen. So let's go and see some scriptures. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. And those will be the last scriptures before I close. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. We'll go to verse 23. That's 1 Corinthians 11. We'll go to verse 23. So Apostle Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that also, um, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And verse 24 it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And so Jesus, we see in these passages of Scripture, he instructs us that during communion, he says we must, we must break the bread. And, and for a long time, I really couldn't understand that, right? And as I was seeking the Holy Spirit just for wisdom as to why, why are we instructed to break the bread, well, the Holy Spirit started to, to reveal to me, you know, that the reason why, why God wants us to break the bread, because in so doing, what, what we're being reminded of is we're reminding ourselves of scriptures. You know, scriptures like is Isaiah 53 verse 5, you know, which says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by the stripes that wounded him, we are healed. Now that word bruised, you know what that word bruise means? It means broken into pieces. It means torn into pieces. So Jesus's body on the cross was broken into pieces. It was torn into pieces. Why? So that our bodies would never ever have to be broken. Jesus's body was wounded on the cross, was beaten on the cross. It was thrashed on the cross. Why? So that we could be well. And so when we break the bread, when we partake of the bread, you know, what we're reminding ourselves of is we're reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We're reminding ourselves that Jesus is the true bread of life. You know, we're reminding us of ourselves that Jesus is our true source of healing. He's our true source of wholeness. He's our true source of divine health. And guess what this does? It strengthens our faith to receive our healing. Man, it strengthens our faith to receive everything that Jesus died for us to obtain on the cross. And so the real power in communion, church, And I'm going to kill one sacred cow here. The real power in communion, it's not in the elements. 
You know, because I've taken communion with my children's zoo biscuits and their Coke. Now, there's absolutely no healing power in zoo biscuits and Coke. In fact, Coke, you know, Maru is sharing with me, you can use Coke to clean your, 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 your jewelry. Man, that's poison. Can you see? There's no healing in Coke, okay? So don't be deceived right there. Man, that's deadly. <laughs> so there's no, there's, no, there's no healing properties. It's, the real power of communion is not, is not in the elements. You know, it's also not, not in the act, right? And we get a lot of people, a lot of testimonies we see out there that say, you know, the bread healed me. I took communion, the bread healed me. You know, I took communion, you know, I, it, I got healed. Uh-uh. The real power of communion is the power of remembrance. Communion puts us in remembrance of the tremendous price that Jesus paid for our salvation. And when we remember what Jesus did, you know, when we focus on what Jesus paid for, it stirs up our faith. And it's our faith that reaches out and grows grabs a hold of every single thing that Jesus died for us to have. Amen. So the real power of communion is the power to remember. The power to remember what Jesus did and Jesus paid for us on the cross. Amen. And on the night before the children of Israel, you know, really were getting ready to, to break out of Egypt. They had their first Passover meal. Now, we know that Passover really is, um, is an Old Testament type and a shadow of the Holy Communion that we, you know, we, we've just been reading about in the New Testament. And both of these are pointing to Jesus. You know, both of these are pointing to the finished work of Jesus. Amen. And so during the past, first Passover meal, God instructs the children of Israel you know, to, for each household to select a lamb. And he says each lamb that they were to select was to be a lamb with no blemish. And then God tells them to use the blood of the lamb to, to, to apply to the doorposts of their houses. So that when the angel of death passed over, and that's how we get the word pass over, when the angel of death passed over their homes, well, they, they would be protected. And, and because of the blood um, of the lamb, you know, their firstborn son was not harmed in any way. Okay. And so really, you know, the point I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, make, and, and, and really I think this is where I want to get to. But what we begin to find in Exodus 12, I believe it is, is God begins to give the children of Israel uh, quite, a, quite a specific instruction about how this lamb, you know, was to be, to be cooked and how this lamb, you know, really was to be eaten. And I'm, I really, we're not going to have time to go through those scriptures, so I want you to write down Exodus 12, Okay. And what he tells the children of Israel to do is he tells the children of Israel, he says, you must roast the whole lamb, okay? The whole lamb. And then he tells them that upon roasting it, they were supposed to eat the whole lamb. In fact, he's so clear. He says, Nothing, none of the lamb must be left out. He said, you must eat the head, you must eat the tail, you must eat all the internal organs. And I remember, like, jokingly looking at this saying, man, this is kind of like how some of us eat our chicken today. So this is nothing new. Because some of us eat our chicken with all the bones as well, right? So it's kind of nothing new to us. <laughs> and, but as I read Exodus 12, I, again, I remember thinking, well, why, why was God so specific? You read it for yourself. In Exodus 12, he says, eat all of it. Head, tail, internal organs. He says, entrails. Internal organs, everything must be eaten. It's like, why did God specifically mention that the whole lamb, you know, was to be roasted and the whole lamb was to be eaten? And, and here's what I believe, and here's what the Holy Spirit started showing me. Well, what, the, what God wanted to show the children is Israel then, and what God wants to show us now is he wanted us to see Jesus. Jesus, who is our Passover lamb. He wanted us to see Jesus bearing every sickness, every disease in every part of his body on the cross. Because here's the thing, Jesus took every sickness, Jesus took every disease, Jesus took every injury into his body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet and everywhere else in between. Why? So that we could be healed everywhere in our bodies from the very top of our heads to the soles of our feet and everywhere in between. That means there's no condition that has not been covered in any part of our body that Jesus did not heal on the cross of Calvary. Man, this is powerful. And I want to tell someone this morning, 
there is nothing too big. There is no cancer that is too big for the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. Verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup. It says, when he'd supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus begins to tell them, you're going to take communion in remembrance of me. We take communion in remembrance of Jesus. We don't take communion in remembrance of our sins. We don't take communion in remembrance of our sicknesses. We don't take communion in remembrance of our diseases. We don't take communion in remembrance of our pain. We take communion in remembrance of Jesus. In remembrance of the cross. And really, this is the last verse I'm going to leave because my time has run out. Verse 26. Jesus continues and he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Now that word show is just a fancy English word. It, it, it simply means to preach or to declare. And so when we're taking communion, we're preaching. Preaching to who? We're preaching to ourselves the Lord's death. When we take communion, we're declaring. Who are we declaring to? We're declaring to ourselves what Jesus paid for us on the cross. And it says as often as we're taking communion, you know, as often as we're preaching to ourselves, as often as we're declaring ourselves, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In fact, another translation, I believe it's the New Living Translation, it says faith comes by hearing the good news of Jesus. When we hear ourselves preaching through the communion, the good news about what Jesus did for us, man, our faith, it's our faith that will spring up on the inside of us to receive every single thing that Jesus appropriated for us. Hallelujah. And the Living Bible, the TLB says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death. That he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. When we take communion, when we partake of the communion bread and the communion wine, what we are reminding ourselves, what we're doing is we are retelling ourselves the message Really of what Jesus paid for on the cross. We are retelling ourselves everything that the bread of life has provided for us. Amen. Why don't we get up on our feet? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is the true bread of life. No, Jesus is the true bread from heaven. He came that we may have life and life in abundance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I want to offer an invitation this morning. I want to offer an invitation. Um, you know, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you know, if you haven't received and partaken of this true bread from heaven, this true bread of life, man, I want to encourage you this morning, you know, to, to make that decision. You know, some of you, someone might have, you know, you, you may have received, you think you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe when you're in high school, you know, they told you to say a few things, you know, but, but you were just doing it to get the job done. I want to say this morning is today you get to choose, you know, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You know, today is the day of your salvation. And if you're not sure of whether or not you have this everlasting life, if you're not sure of where you're going to end up in eternity, why not be sure today? Amen.
And so I'm offering an invitation. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you want to come to Jesus so that you'll never hunger again, so that you'll never be thirsty again, I'm going to ask you if you can put up your hand. And we're going to lead you in a, in a very short prayer. Amen. But this is really one of the most important decisions, actually the important decision of your life. Amen. So don't leave this place, you know, without, without having, 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 having followed through on this decision. Amen. So I'm going to ask everyone to close your hands. I'm going to count to three. If it's you, um, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. And we're just going to lead you in a, in a quick prayer. Amen. Amen. Okay, going once. I'm going to count once. Going twice. Okay. All right. Man, awesome. 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 Amen. Okay, great stuff. We're all family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the second invitation I'd want to extend, you know, is if you have sickness, if you have pain in your body, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going through something, you know, in your body, you know, we want to we wanna lay hands on you. Amen. You know, we know that Scripture says that Jesus bore our griefs and He carried our sorrows. And that just simply means Jesus bore our sicknesses, man, and He carried our diseases so that we wouldn't have to be sick anymore, amen? And so if it's you, if you've got some pain in your body, you know, if you're suffering from someone, and I'm actually going to ask you to even if you know of a family member, you know, who's suffering from someone. We're going to touch and agree for healing for them today, okay? So don't leave, please. I exhort you. Don't leave without us having spoken life into that situation. You know, I was saying to the church um, in the earlier service, um, I saw someone with some pain under their foot, you know, during the service. I'm not sure if it's online. And, and you've been believing God. I think it's an injury. It's an old injury. You know, you've been believing God, you know, for years now, you know, for your healing. And now you've given up because you think, I mean, oh, it's just such a, it's a small little pain. You know, I'm going to, I can make adjustments for it, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to make adjustments. You know, I'm here to tell you that Jesus healed you of all your diseases. There was nothing, nothing that has been left out by what Jesus did for you on the cross. And when, when it says nothing was left out, I want to encourage you, that pain in your foot, it hasn't been left out. You know, Jesus wants you healed. You know, He wants you absolutely well. He doesn't want you making adjustments. You know, so if it's you, and also I saw a left shoulder, left, my left shoulder. I think it's an injury, guys. So I'm actually going to extend an invitation for anyone who's had injuries. And they're probably like uh, sports injuries, injuries you've had in the past that are just, they, they don't want to leave you alone. And you've been making adjustments. Today is the day that those adjustments end. Because that pain is not your portion. That injury has to go. Okay? And so if it's you, I'm going to ask you if you can put up your hand. I want to pray first for injuries. Okay? Then we'll pray for families. Okay? If your family... Uh, yes. Uh, okay, there we go. Two hands. I want to pray for injuries. A foot, shoulder. Any injuries. It, it's a past injury, especially. That's what I'm seeing so strongly. It's a past injury that's just nagging now. And it needs to go. Okay, so I'm going to ask some of the believers to just lay hands on the, on, on, on the believers who've got their hands up. I see one over there. If you can just, um, okay, there we go. One right at the back. If we can just lay hands because today is the day of salvation. Today, that pain has to go. And so right now, we just speak life into these bodies. We just speak life in these bodies. Life from the very top of their heads to the very sole of their feet. Lives in their legs in the name of Jesus. No more pain in the name of Jesus. No more pain in the name of Jesus. Right now, we say the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is right now quickening these mortal bodies is right now making these injuries go in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No more injuries. No more pain. No more pain. No more pain. Go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so if you've got any pain whatsoever, anything, you, you, anything that's challenging you, or if you know of a relative that has got something that's troubling them, let's pray for them today, okay? It says he sent the word and it healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We're going to send the word of healing to them. Wherever they are, they will be healed, amen? 
they will absolutely be healed, okay? And so we're going to ask, put up your hand, we're going to pray, we're going to pray collectively, we're going to speak healing into those bodies, we're going to speak healing and life to those that are sick, we speak healing and wholeness to those that are sick, to those that are pain, to those, you know, that are struggling to get up, we speak healing right now to those who are struggling to breathe, we speak breath, breath in their lungs, we speak breath in their lungs, so that today, amen, today they can praise you, Father, with every breath, they can praise you, Jesus, we speak breath in their lungs, we speak um, over the families of those people who have put up their hands for their families, we speak into those relatives, even those friends, we speak healing right now, we speak healing and no other way. We pray for hearts that are broken. We speak healing to the brokenhearted. We speak healing to those who are, you know, so discouraged. We speak life right now. We speak refreshment right now. We speak strength right now. We speak to those that are old. You know, we speak to those that are born into the lie that they have to get sick as they age. Man, we say no more. We say every old person right here under the sound of my voice who's believed that lie, we say they are getting younger and they are getting younger as they age. They are soaring like an eagle in the sky. Like Moses' sight was not abated when he was in his, what, his 80s, their sight will remain clear. Their sight will remain sharp in the name of Jesus. We speak to every old person online. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We speak it right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for healing. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you for sending your one and only begotten Son, Jesus. Jesus, who is the true bread of life. Jesus, who came to give us life and life in abundance. Father, all we can say this morning is thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a true source of healing. You know, you are a true source of provision. You're a true source of every good thing, you know, that we need in life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say amen and amen. Oh, wow. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We